Today on the Pollinator Podcast, the things in your business that are affecting revenue. And hint, it's not just sales and marketing. Today on the Pollinator Podcast, a CEO that knows a lot about delivering action and adventure on a regular basis, even though that's nothing to do with what he does right now. He is the CEO of Value Prop Interactive and uh, works with uh, a lot of manufacturing businesses and other mid-cap to, to large range businesses and helping them to, to develop their revenue throughput and to overall grow things. But he's got some interesting stories and he was kind enough to invite me on to his podcast a, a couple of weeks ago. And so I'm very excited to uh, have him return the favor today and, uh, and talk about this message that everything is affecting revenue and is something that I'm very passionate about, but don't get to talk about a lot. So Jose Palomino, thank you very much for being here with us today. Oh, my pleasure, Will. I'm glad glad, glad we could make the time to, to make this happen. So to, to explain that uh, to everybody, like all this delivery of action and adventure that, that you used to, to do in one of your, your, your previous businesses that, oh, yeah. uh, and kind of the story to, to, to where you're at today. Sure, sure. No, I appreciate that. Well, uh, it's kind of the, uh, the beginning, the, like my origin story, if we're going to use that, because uh, my origin story begins, my first business was a comic book delivery business. So as a teenager, I was a comic book collector. And one of the challenges was buying comics uh, that were in mint condition. You have to go to the comic book store because if you subscribed to the publishers like Marvel or DC, they would send it to you wrapped like a Time magazine with a label on, you know, printed onto the comic book. There was no envelope or anything like that. And I said, well, there's an opportunity here. So I had a partner at the time and we created a system that we actually would take orders from collectors and they'd get a discount uh, because we were buying wholesale and then we'd put them in plastic bags, in boxes. Now the cost associated to doing all of this, it was not a good business model, <laughs> but, it, but we, we had thousands of subscribers. It was a real education. I learned how to do inventory control, accounting, all those first level things that you need to learn to run a business. And even like software development, having to build uh, custom tools that didn't exist at the time. And this goes way back. So at that time, it was a great idea. Didn't realize all the issues about operational execution and financial execution. Just didn't know what I didn't know. But it was my entree into entrepreneurship. Yeah. And it created a real thirst to do that. I, I felt very uh, creatively satisfied by it. Not financially satisfied, or else I'd still be in that business. Right, right. <laughs> but, but it was a real learning uh, experience uh, for me on on many levels, and uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, looking back on it, it was it was pretty cool. I look back. I've I've recently looked up an old brochure we created and one of the original ads we ran in the comic books. Now this is pre-internet, right? There, there is, yeah. you know, maybe there's internet at this time taking place at the university level, but nothing like the web didn't exist yet. Uh, so it was all done in print, and it was it was kind of cool. It was a good experience. That, that that's really awesome. And a uh, you know one of my one of my mentors used to uh, shoot. Now now he went off on the internet, and I lost it. I was thinking it's one of my mentors used to say something. But anyway, nonetheless, um, you know going going from there, and one of the things that you you talked about, and we were talking about kind of earlier uh, around this message, and you kind of just alluded to. Uh, right there was, you know, operations, all these other things. A lot of people tend to think about those things affecting profitability, affecting the bottom line, right? These are just expenses, but you know, you're kind of coming at, coming at it from a, 
an angle that, you know, these things are really affecting revenue. And I think that's one of the places where we kind of clicked because even though I focus really more on kind of that marketing and sales process up front, you know, we get to this aspect of, of propagation in our farming kind of model of this. And everybody's always heard that the, the, the most profitable sales are your repeat sales or are the ones that come from referrals from clients that, you know, your cost of sales weren't there. And, and yet I just yesterday, like I had a very terse conversation with somebody that was trying to resell me on a, a service. And I'm like, you want to deliver the first time. And, 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 you know, they went back and like, oh, you didn't do what you're like, well, maybe not. Yeah, we could have both done better. But as you just said, it's a two way street. And I was not impressed with your execution. You put more effort into your sales process. You're putting more effort into to calling me back and to, to touching base with me right now when I'm trying to, when you're trying to get money out of me, then you were in trying to make sure that I was successful with the service that you were providing. And so that, that's always really kind of rubbed me raw in, in people uh, just having poor delivery around that. And they're, they're not thinking about how that actually affects their long-term sustainable revenue. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's a common, well, well, here's the issue, right? So you know, since that comic book business, a lot of time, decades have gone by, right? So I ended up working uh, operationally in large businesses, uh, eventually uh, worked for some real dynamic technology companies, and then actually got uh, my MBA at, at Villanova University, where I get a chance to actually teach at the graduate school level entrepreneurial marketing. So I've seen it through this whole range of things, exactly what you've described, which is often we, we silo these things and we think about them as separate activities. So we think about sales, and, and large companies do this a lot. They they have a yeah. sales, you know, VP of sales, and they have a CMO, and then they have the C-suite, which is doing strategy. And they may not even be in the same country, let alone in the same office. But when you move down into the mid-market and smaller businesses, let's say companies with a few million, up to maybe $30, $40 million in revenue, pretty much all the relevant people are available in the same office. Like they should be talking to each other. And yet amazingly, they don't. So what happens is you have somebody working sales process, not really looking at, well, what's our delivery look like? Like, do we deliver on our promises? Well, we had a marketing agency that said we should say these things because we tested these messages and they're very effective messages. But no one's asking the question, well, can we deliver on those messages? Right. So like if we're guaranteeing a certain result or a certain turnaround time or whatever, do we have the infrastructure in place to execute that? Because otherwise it's just a, it's a it's an empty promise to the point of the experience you exactly what you had, Will. So I love that phrase right behind you on the on your on your flip chart. Everything affects revenue and especially in smaller companies where it really does. And, and I'll give you just a simple example. Uh, I worked with the company once that they were uh, they were consistently late on delivering a manufactured product, something they made to spec, right? So a big company hires them, they have to make something to spec. And they were consistently late on deliveries. And, and the reason was, when they got to the root cause of it, was that when they got a new order come in, they were so hungry for the business, they agreed to whatever terms the new order was. Mm. But the existing business was actually the the foundational business, it was their main customers, were actually getting the short end of that stick because they were trying to please the new person, who, by the way, maybe didn't even just needed like spot work done and wasn't going to be a big long-term customer. So they rethought their thinking and said, no, we have to 
do one simple thing. And this is something that changed their business. We have to honor our delivery commitment. I know it sounds like, you know, like, doesn't everybody yeah. do that? Well, no. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. So he said, we just got to, we just have to say, so if somebody calls us and they agree to this, if somebody calls us and says, we need this rush in two weeks, and it's a nice piece of business with good margin, but the current schedule won't allow you to honor that in two weeks, you have to tell them, I cannot do it for you in two weeks. It would take us a month to get it done, whatever the, the work was, even though I may not get the order because I cannot, I cannot break my promise to the orders I already have in house. Yeah. Okay. So what ends up happening is really fascinating, and we kind of knew this would happen, is you'd end up with people who needed that rush order in two weeks. By the way, they're calling other places. No one could do it in two weeks. So when you tell them it's going to be four weeks, they say, sure, okay, we'll give you the order anyway, because we no one else could do it in two weeks anyway. Yeah. So they'd still got a lot of that additional business, but now they improved their delivery. So now their promises became stronger. Now think about it in your marketing specialist, right? So you say, okay, if I know that's true, then on-time delivery guaranteed becomes part of my marketing message. Yeah. Before I was afraid to say that. Now I can say it boldly because I actually have processes in place to do that. Everything affects revenue. And, 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 and the reason that has such a big impact is, you know, if you're late, I mean, we're all human, whatever service we're offering, you're late, you got stuck on the highway, uh, production of a particular machine broke, you needed to get it repaired, you're a day late, that happens. Everyone understands that. But if you're consistently unreliable, and that's just hitting on this one example, one dimension, the next time I have to put a blanket order in, I'm gonna look for somebody else. Yeah. So you're actually dead man walking. I've already decided on my next supplier, which will start in January, you don't know it. And then come January, you're counting on that like half million dollars worth of business, and all of a sudden you get the notice somewhere in December 15th. Oh, by the way, we've made other arrangements for next year. Thank yeah. you very much. And you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. whoa, I got a half million dollar hole. That's a big hole in your boat that you have to figure out. Everything affects revenue. And so again, as we saw that more and more manifest, especially in companies that can do something about it, and in particular, like in the example I just gave you, is a real example, what changed it for them was a decision. Wasn't all new, like somebody might say, well, uh, I think it's Henry Ford said it. If he let customers decide what the Model T would be like, they would have just asked for a faster horse, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So it's the same thing. It's about asking the right question. The issue wasn't, and somebody else might have said, well, what they needed was to put in new processes for production. They needed to buy new machines. They needed to hire a lot more people. No, they needed to make a promise and stick to it. And it changed their game completely radically in a space of a couple of years it totally uh leveled their business in a good way and it strengthened their margins everything got better and they didn't have to buy a new machine they didn't have to hire a bunch of new people they just had to agree this is how we do business yeah i mean i think it is so it's profound right and and it's it's just Profound just because it is such an elegant thing, like just fulfill your promises. And, you know, I run up into it a long time. You know, I've got uh, this whole little other web series that I, that I do that, you know, this is a bunch of bullshit. And I just kind of hitting on like so many of these things that, that are so commonplace in the, the, 
just marketing space or just in, and especially in small business, you know, when you're hungry for the business, you're willing to, to, to kind of make sacrifices on relationships or do things that maybe you normally wouldn't do in your personal things. And I think a lot of that comes from, you kind of justify it because everybody else does, mm-hmm. does it, or, you know, you see people tell you, uh, like you'll go to a thing and they'll, they'll, they'll say, well, you shouldn't really think about this shit, you know, think about it in, in this way. Or, you know, if you've got I mean, like one of my, one of my pet peeves is like in, uh, in sales and a lot of sales training, you know, people will come at it as like, well, if you believe your product and service is the best for somebody, you need to do everything you possibly can to, you know, to close that sale. And that's the ethical thing to do. Like maybe like there's, there's an element of, of truth there but that you left that wide open for a lot of bullshit to be pulled into that uh, as well. And, I, and I've seen, seen that happen. And uh, it, it's odd to me that people expect those things to be sustainable. I think anybody can do that for a little time, but you know, I've had too many clients where they get into those processes and they just real, they, they just, they realize that like, they're not, living up to their own moral code or ethical code. And then it just starts to, things just start to kind of taper off. Right. Well, and, and there's even failures that are not even, and certainly you're right. I mean, those are things that you can couch it in those terms of like, you know, what's, what's the right thing to do. So that's always a good policy, like do the right thing. So if you screwed up an order, make it right. If you know something's going to be late, call the customer ahead of time. I mean, those are just good processes that, by the way, make you sleep better at night because you're not hiding anything from anybody. You're upfront about things. And again, most customers, even very demanding customers, will recognize that and say, you know what, everybody makes mistakes, but this company gives me heads up. They own up to it. They make it right. So I can deal with that as opposed to trying to find the mythical perfect company that yeah. makes no mistake, but that doesn't exist. Everybody has some problems. But you, you look at this also from a, a slightly different perspective, Will, which is uh, intentions are not results. So yeah. what, one of the examples, whenever I'm in front of a group of business owners, I'll ask a question, depending on the topic, but typically I might ask a question on, on this topic of everything affects revenue. I said, he, who here has great customer service? Everybody raises their hands. Everybody thinks their customer service is great. I said, great. When's the last time you called your own 800 number to get an answer of any kind about anything? Your invoice, delivery date, you know, why something shut up, nine things shut up instead of 10, etc. Have you even tried that ever? Ever. And I'm talking to the owners. And they all look down at their shoes at that point, right? Because they, they realize they have never yeah. tried it. I said, well, why don't you try that? And if they do, and I've had backup conversations afterwards, and they said, yeah, I tried it, and it wasn't very pleasant. It was a very uncomfortable thing. I said, so you see, you've confused your customer service intentions with customer service process or outcomes. You don't have it. You haven't thought through what the what your customer goes through to get an answer. And that's one of the key areas that you really need to develop. So again, everything affects revenue because that customer who doesn't get good customer service, as they define it, I can't get a hold of the human being. I can't get an answer that I need in a timely fashion then I'm starting to conclude maybe they don't care about my business that much. Huh. If they don't care about me after I've paid the money, are they caring about me while they're making the thing they're making for me? Whatever the, whether you're a manufacturer, you're an industrial service, professional service company. Yeah. I've seen CPA firms 
that you ask him a simple question on like a simple question on a return and you have to call him three times to get a final answer from your CPA and say like how hard I mean this is what you do for a living like you should know the answer or you should at least let me know you know what that's a tough question we have to research it we'll get back to you in one day two day three day five days something and again that customer who's feeling those little frustrations at some point there's a tipping point and it's kind of like anybody who in you know I've fortunate to be married close to 32 years this year right so Congrats. blessed found found the one and she is the one um but anybody who remembers dating right if you've ever been broken up with right and no one wants to admit that so i won't ask that in a crowded room but i mean most people have been had that experience whether it was as a teenager or whatever oftentimes what happens is when that moment comes where i'm just not that into you or you've lost that loving feeling, right? That moment comes. For the other person, the person who's pulling the ripcord, they've been there now for six months. Yeah. So, and that's why usually the person whose heart is broken doesn't understand why the other person isn't brokenhearted because they already went through the mourning period. They've already, they've already adjusted. And it's the same thing in business. Yeah. They've already decided that you're not part of their future. But by the time they tell you, Right. And, they, and maybe they've been trying to tell you along the way, hey, like we got to talk, you know, that could, the equivalent of that in, in business. By the time they tell you, it's too late. They've made other arrangements and you've lost the business. So everything affects revenue from how, keeping your promises, how you support your, your customer. And then, of course, there's explicit things you got to do smart on the marketing and sales side. You have to have a sales process. So I've been in those meetings, and I'm sure you have too, Will, where you say, okay, tell me your sales process. And they say, well, customer, ask us how much. We give them a proposal, and they buy. And I said, well, that's not – that. those three bubbles are not – you need a lot, a little bit more flip chart paper to, to right, write out right. a process. So, again, thinking through all those little details and looking at your business, um, and it's an overused term, but I'll use it for, the, for this purpose, holistically. Like, yeah. The, the fact is your customer touches your business with billing, touches your business on delivery, and including down to the, the freight or truck uh, service, uh, delivery service that yeah. you hired, how they handled things because they, they reflect your business. All those things, it all matters. It all matters. Yeah. And you can't get crazy about it, but you got to have to have that picture and say, how does the customer view the value they get from us? And how are they judging it? Is it just the thing or the service? Like you painted the rose for them. Okay, great. Rose are painted nicely. But if they had to bring you out three times to correct errors that your crews made, you're probably not getting next year's uh, order for that. You know, Or they're going to squeeze the heck out of you on margin to make up for it. Yeah, Those are things that you have to look at. Well, so I, I've had a couple of these conversations um, with with, with other, other folks kind of talking about different different areas and, and a lot of the things that you just hit on there. I mean, everything down to, to, to billing and delivery and these things that you don't necessarily, you know, they're not even necessarily like your company, but like they're, they're part of your interaction with your client. And one of the guys I had a conversation with, you know, we were talking about this, this jobs theory around marketing and like, you know, everything you sell is ultimately accomplishing some job, whether it's explicit or you know, not. Uh, unstated for for folks and 
you know, I think the thing that, that kind of gets my my goat with a with a lot of of companies, you know, they they have this idea of like, all right, well, this is what we're selling, and as long as I deliver this, then I've done my job, and people shouldn't expect anymore. And like, well, you need if people are expecting more, and you're regularly hearing this, you need to go back and look at something else because it might have been your marketing, it might have been your salespeople, it might have been something else on the back end where people are regularly getting this expectation of, the, of what, what result you're going to deliver for them. And, you know, sometimes in the absence of explicit expectations or actually addressing them, people will just make up their own expectations, right? So if you don't, if you're not clear up front, like you're talking about on delivery, like, all right, we're going to, you know, it's, it's going to go LTL and it's going to be shipped within this many days and you're going to have to have a loading dock and all this, like, if you didn't, if you didn't say that clearly, like you may get an order from somebody that doesn't isn't set up to, to do that, and all of a sudden there's a a, a tense interaction when when a, a freaking semi shows up and there's no place for them to 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 unload and they don't have a, a you know a lift gate or whatever. Well, that's a simple little thing, but it's not a little thing because that means the truck leaves has to come back to somebody's incurring that cost. It created a bad feeling. And here's what the customer's thinking. Why didn't somebody tell us we'd need that? Why didn't they call us? Why didn't they send us a, drop us a line, an email? Nobody told us. And we need this today. And now the guy's coming back tomorrow, and now it's an angry phone call. So little things can be anticipated. And I always go by and say, look, if you're getting that call like three times a week from somebody, then proceduralize it. Think about right. what else you can do. And I think the other thing, too, and you alluded to it, Will, and I think it's important, if you're not really asking the questions and you you haven't trained your people, including your salespeople, to find out like what else is going on in your customers in your customers' world beyond they purchase X from you, right? So what is that like? What else might be something you can help them with? So if I'm selling printers, for example, and I say, oh, they ordered three printers, great, they ordered color printers, fantastic. What do they do? Well, they're actually uh, they're a law firm, okay? How 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 much you know? Is there a better printer I could sell them? Is there something? Else? Oh, by the way, we also sell paper. We also sell toner. We can put them on a subscription plan. If I'm not asking those questions and I'm just happy with the order, yeah, I'm missing out on a ton of revenue possibilities. Or maybe they say, you know what? They asked me. Or they asked my sales rep, and he said, um, you know, do you guys deliver paper too? Because we're using, you know, whatever, one of the big companies and so on. But they're very expensive. Maybe there's an opportunity. Maybe we should sell paper. You know, maybe we don't, but we should. Or, or whatever that is, finding out that one more thing about your customer's world, it does two things. One, and you know this from your, your sales development uh, work as well, Will, it creates a relational connection like, oh, they actually care. So, like, there's a caring part that comes across. Just because I asked the question, what else do you, what else are you doing? That's one. And then two, it opens up huge opportunities for me to either sell something I actually do sell additional or get into something that is a complementary product that could take that same revenue. And, and, you know, I mentioned printers, but one of the things that always fascinates me is the margin on printers at the electronics store might be on a, you know, let's say a $200 printer might be 20 bucks. But when they sell you that service contract, that's like pure oh. margin. <laughs> so you triple your margins by an incremental sale. So it's not thinking about that. Again, everything affects revenue. Yeah. And, and 
man, there's so many. It, so one of the analogies coming up for me that, I, you know, just got me thinking about this is I've, I've had conversations with folks and like little presentations kind of relating the holistic view of a, of a business, like to the holistic view of a football team, right? Because inside of a football team, there's actually, and we're talking American football here for mm-hmm. anybody, right? But there's actually three teams, right? There's the offense, there's the defense, and there are the special teams. Sure. And, you know, I, I often relate kind of offense to sales and marketing and defense to operations and delivery and then special teams is the, you know, the admin that supports those two. But really when you look at it, even from that perspective, you know, every one of those teams has the ability to score points, right? They can, they can all three put points on the board, even though the, the other two, that's not kind of their primary uh, purpose. And, and think right, and even and the offense can actually give up points if they fumble or they throw an interception. If we're going to just continue the yeah. metaphor, yeah, yeah. I mean, we could, we could no. probably chat about that. Yeah. Right. No, no, absolutely. So, yeah, there has to be a sense that revenue is not just the job of the salesperson getting the PO, and it's not just the job of production getting it out off the production floor because you may be in a service business, for example, or some other kind of business. Uh, but it's when, when everyone thinks that revenue is really the outcome, and we look at it as we say that uh, in B2B, your business has to convert, right? So we call it the critical conversion cycle, right? You have to convert opportunities into profitable revenue. So you start thinking that way. You say, okay, I'm converting opportunities. I have to attract and convert opportunities and turn them into profitable revenue. Opportunities come from your existing customer base, but also all the new customers you want to get. And in B2B, it's an opportunity. You're working, usually you're working a deal, there's a proposal, there's some sort of interaction. It's not usually transactional, although you could be doing something transactional. But that conversion cycle, so you start thinking about it and start saying, well, that means it has to flow through something. Well, first of all, are you targeting the right customer? And this goes classic marketing, but it's really important. And a lot, and you know this, Well, a lot of these small companies don't have really good targeting. No. Kind of, they, you say, who's your target market? You say, our current customers. I say, well, who are they? And they say, well, it depends. It's okay, well, that's not a real focus. And then differentiation. Are you really setting yourself apart in some meaningful way to your customer? Like, have you thought about that? Well, we've been selling this for the last 25, 35, 45, 100 years. I've heard that. I've heard all of those years, by the way. And so that's great. But why are they buying from you? And yeah. if you don't have a differentiation, chances are you're probably being squeezed into being the low-cost provider. Yep. Well, unless you're the low-cost buyer, right, because you're the big volume buyer, you're a mega corporation, you buy everything cheaper, being the low-cost provider is a loser game because you can't chase to the bottom fast enough. You, right. you won't get there. Right. You won't make it. And then do you have marketing, like a marketing effort? Are you These days, buyers are 70% through their buyer's journey before they reach out to you. Right. They expect that your website actually tells them about your stuff. That's not the selling. That's just the pre-selling. And then your sales process, do you have a sales process? So you look at that and then you look at things like, are you overly customer concentrated? Like if you have 50% of your business as one customer, I guarantee you that's probably not 50% of your margin that you're getting from your business, probably maybe 25 or 30%, because if they're that big, they're squeezing the heck out of you on margin. Yeah. Do you have the resources you need, like working capital, infrastructure? Do you like hire that bookkeeper if you need to make sure your invoices are clear and correct and don't always need to be corrected by your customer? And then production, can you fulfill your promises? And then of course, customer success. 
So we look at those eight things, Will, all the time as kind of like valves on a pipe. And so those valves could be, to use the football, offense, defense, you open the valve so opportunities flow and get converted into revenue. Or any one of them could be closed tight. And all of a sudden that opportunity gets stuck somewhere. Stuck in production. Stuck in you don't have the ability to buy the raw materials because you have a working capital issue. So you're kind of singing and dancing because you can't start production until you get that or you can't get your machine fixed. Finance affecting revenue. Absolutely. So there it ends up affecting revenue. And then your customer service side says you don't get the parts business. You don't get the repeat business. You don't get the reference that turns or referral that turns into more business. None of that happens unless customers view their interaction with you successfully. So that's kind of how we look at it. And I think it's just a way to look at everything affecting revenue. I think that's so great. So, man, there's there's a lot of other you know, kind of points and, and, and kind of rabbits in this that we could chase. But, um, you know, there's in, in this consulting field there, there's been kind of a, I think COVID had a, uh, uh, what's the word, like a geometric effect on like the number of consultants and coaches and uh, all these other types of folks that are out in the marketplace and everybody's kind of sharing some idea or, or doing stuff and you can't go on LinkedIn without getting, you know, spammed in your inbox with people trying to, to do requests and stuff like that. And so if someone is looking for a, a external consultant, you know, be a management consultant, revenue, sales, marketing, whatever, in your experience, what is, or, or what are some of kind of the telltale signs that, that, that you would advise people to, to really look for or your precautions to take to, to know that they're going to get a return on, on that investment? Because it's not, you know, it's not just paying about, you know, it's not just, just about paying a daily rate or, you know, an hourly rate or, or some kind of engagement. Um, you know, you're doing it to ultimately get a result. And unfortunately, that doesn't always it doesn't always happen. Yeah, so I think there's there's probably two two things I would look at, and uh, having provided you know the, working with business owners of all kinds for the last fifteen years as, as value prop, um, I, I've often reflected on what has turned into the more successful engagements where it really worked well, and what I've learned from it, and what I've seen other I've had mentors in my life, what have they spoken into my life, and, and so on. And, and there's two things I think that really stand out. So if you're a business owner listening to this and you say, I'm thinking of hiring somebody to help me with SEO, with web design, with sales training, whatever it is, um, I would look at one, one immediate tell, and this would be a knockout punch. Is the person I'm talking to more interested in learning about my business or in telling me about theirs? Mm-hmm. Which is it? It's, to me, I, I, I would split the ocean very directly on that one question. If it seems like they are asking very perfunctory questions, like they think they have the answer. So how long have you had your website? When's the last thing you had it designed? I'm just using them as an example, but that's sure, tangible. Sure. It could be any any of the disciplines. And they're just setting me up for, which is why we have a package that does this and this. And, and, and now you kind of have that feeling. And you know, if you're a business owner, you've been running, you've, you've, had, you've talked to suppliers and, 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 and third parties you know, for years. So you, you have a nose for it. So your nose, your gut should tell you, this person's actually interested in learning my business, learning about it. 
they don't have to necessarily be in your industry. They have to be in their discipline, really good at what they do, right? So, you know, I've been in a room with like 10 people and say, how many years do you have in name it, the filling business or whatever the business is? I said, well, how many years do you guys have? And it's like 200 years experience. I said, okay, if I had five or 10 more to add to that, would that add substantively to the experience in the room? But I have experience in what I do, which you don't have, otherwise we wouldn't be having this conversation. Usually that gets, that that's clear, and then people get it and say, you're right, we don't need that. So again, and there are specialists that specialize in very narrow focus, that's fine. But my point is, I really want you to, as an owner, you should look for somebody who has a passion to know your business, to understand your problem, and who spends more time asking questions about your challenges to understand not just what you do, but what you're presently facing before they start telling you how they're going to solve it. That's one. And two, be careful, in my opinion, be careful of any expert that tells you uh, 100% no problem. It's a no-brainer, no, no problem. We got the answer. We can, we'll definitely give you 172% ROI. Uh, because I'm saying, how is that possible? Yeah. How, would they, how would they know, right? Uh, they can tell you, look, our processes really work when done properly. But, you know, if they're not in the kitchen with your chef, they can't always guarantee that. Right. So yeah. you have so so you have to get an you, know, you really want a sense that somebody's giving you a realistic set of possibilities. Certainly to tell you, look, this is why it works this is how it works. This is how we do things. Um, but if you really know they understand your challenge and your problem and then the stuff they tell you starts making sense to you then you're probably dealing with somebody who's not just going to give you a cookie cutter program, but it's actually concerned in helping you solve your problem. That's very, very solid. And I, and yeah, I mean, I, and I think going back to, to that, I mean, that, that just kind of like is refreshing to me in some of these other conversations that, uh, that I've had. And, you know, the, the you know, a lot of sales training, you know, asking those perfunctory kind of questions, you know, is, is very natural to, uh, you know, to kind of you know, almost like set people up. But there is it takes a lot of experience uh, from my own perspective to, to kind of develop that gut feeling of, you know, is somebody being genuine here? Are they actually interested in about my, my business and just finding the right fit? Or are they just trying to, to set me up to pitch something? So uh, excellent. Well, uh, Jose, how can people get in touch with you? What's the best way for, for them to, to do that or to follow up or see what else you've got going on and, and some of the other uh, brilliant things that you have to, to, to share? No, no, I appreciate that. Yeah, so uh, easy is uh, valueprop.com. That's V-A-L-U-E-P-R-O-P.com. And on it, you'll see uh, the various programs we do. There's some free guides that we've carefully developed for owners. Um, there's also ways to get in touch with me. I can also be found on LinkedIn. There's not that many. Jose Palomino, like the horse, P-A-L-O-M-I-N-O. Uh, don't, now, now be, be careful with that because remember, a lot of my uh, original audience is from Miami. So, you know, <laughs> okay. I have a couple of you. As, okay, uh, a few, a few around. But, but there's one like a famous soccer player. It's not me, um, you know, not, not me moonlighting as a business consultant. But yeah, so those are, you know, happy to connect with people on, on LinkedIn if you send me a message and then just go on valleyprop.com and uh, learn about what we do. Uh, take a look at our blog, our podcast. 
and reach out if you think I can help you. Uh, that'd be fantastic. So but thanks for, uh, Will, just this time to talk about topic I'm really passionate about. So it's really yeah. exciting. Well, it's really great. And I, uh, I hope we can do it again at some time as well. And I, I hope everyone else can take all of this great uh, information and knowledge that uh, Jose shared with us around everything affecting uh, revenue and go get your hands dirty with it. Apply it in your business. Be well.